when it comes to the blockchain, you have to wonder whether it's a case of all talk and no block. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. There are some tangible examples of the blockchain in action. We saw that in last week's episode, focusing on the tracking of vanilla from Madagascar. For the most part, however, blockchain is still a hazy concept in the minds of business executives. A recent survey by Capgemini of 731 companies found just 3% to be deploying blockchain at scale and 10% with a pilot in place. So what's holding back this technology that's supposedly so compelling and earth-shaking? Today, we chat with Joe Vernon, supply chain analytics practice leader with Capgemini. He'll explain the findings of the new survey, including the obstacles that are hampering the adoption of blockchain, and some surprising examples of actual progress. And we'll learn a little more about how blockchain functions in the real world, divorced from its origins as a ledger for the trading of Bitcoin. So here is my conversation with Joe Vernon. Joe Vernon, welcome to the show. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you, Bob. This is a pretty exhaustive report that Capgemini has come out with on the subject of blockchain. Could you tell me what was the beginning of the report, how you approached it, how many companies you talked to, how many industries you covered? Sure. Getting a lot of questions out in the field from customers about the adoption of blockchain, risks, opportunities, ROI, etc. So we just decided to take a look ourselves. We looked at 450 companies that have active projects across multiple sectors. And in, in looking at those 450 companies, we tried to break it down and dig into the details a little bit about what their business objective was, what kind of cost savings or revenue targets they might have or ROI around it. And then we wanted to share that with our readers. Well, my impression was the field of companies or organizations you contact was actually 731 total. Is that correct or do I have that wrong? No, that's right. 731 was the span of who we interviewed. And then we found 450 who actually had blockchain projects, either in an experimental phase, pilot, or at scale. Roughly 45% adoption. But what you also concluded was that only 3% were deploying blockchain at scale in an actual active form, right? That's right. And I think that's one of the most useful findings for people to look at is of all the discussions and all the activity out there, really just a small percentage have something that's operational and at scale and giving them the results they're looking to get. Did this come as a surprise to you that it was only 3%? Not to us who are out practicing in the field, because we know amongst our own customers and talking to ourselves about what the take-up rate is. But I think to the readers, it will be surprising since there's been so much written about it. It gives you the feeling that there's more wide adoption going on, but there really isn't. Not yet. Soon to come, though. Yeah. Now, of course, blockchain was created in order to support transactions of cryptocurrencies originally, specifically Bitcoin. But what types of applications are you seeing blockchain realize now among the companies that you surveyed? Again, it's transaction-focused, not Bitcoin, that kind of currency, but now transactions in the supply chain. One of the interesting ones was with Foxconn and what they call blockchain finance or chain finance. 
where they're using contracts and financial transactions to help with the efficiency of their vendor relationships and procurement. And so finance, to me, has been one of the fastest uptake areas for blockchain. So a trusted, well-known transactional environment where the trust factor is there and you have contracts that are pretty easy to negotiate and understand, that's gotten some very quick uptake. Now, just one basic question I have about the way the blockchain works. It can be a little confusing as to try to understand how many computers and how many participants are there in a relevant blockchain. Now, in the case of cryptocurrencies or the like, my understanding is it can be hundreds or thousands of computers on which the blockchain transactions reside. When it comes to this type of thing that we're talking about here, about finance with suppliers or supplier management or supply chain-oriented stuff – How many computers are required to participate in order to make the blockchain transaction truly immutable? In general, a much smaller number. I mean, many times smaller than something you would see with Bitcoin, which is a gigantic environment that changes all the time, that grows uh, dynamically. You have the network, which is defined by you and your partners in the blockchain. So it can be very small. So if you take someone like Foxconn, they didn't publish what the size of their infrastructure was, but they know their suppliers. They might have 100 suppliers on there. So it can be just the size of a normal ERP system, not very big. You don't need elaborate server farms to handle this at that point. Again, because you control the size of your network. A public blockchain, of course, would be much different. So are we essentially talking about the blockchain projects that we're talking about here in connection with your research? Are they essentially private blockchains, all of them? Yes, so far. I would generally Mm -hmm. characterize them as private as they try to get people on board. There's the privacy, security, governance issues. So it's sort of like your trusted partners come into your blockchain and then you can get something started. Not quite ready for mass public open consumption. The other confusing aspect of the blockchain discussion these days is the connection between blockchain and tokens or coins. Of course, once again, going back to its roots in Bitcoin, we still hear about business-oriented blockchains relying on tokens or or coin offerings. Indeed, that serves as an incentive for participants to put transactions up on the blockchain, and in return, they get rewards in the form of a portion of a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin – What we're talking about here, though, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with tokens or coins, does it? And can blockchain exist completely independently of that? Yes. So when you take something like end-to-end traceability on a blockchain, where you're going from farm to fork, that's becoming a very common description of of a blockchain solution now. That wouldn't have anything to do with tokens. That's more like a business relationship between a grower and then an end consumer, where you create that end-to-end visibility It's more like a business transaction or a control tower type functionality. Wouldn't have anything to do with tokens. There would be incentives for participation. But what I've seen so far is when you're dealing with a big CPG company or a big company, the incentives is really to keep doing business. The vendor's motivated to comply, to keep doing business, so uh, they get on board. Pretty similar back to the old days when we were doing EDI and then we went on e-com. People just get on board in order to do business. Blockchain has a great many of those characteristics in these examples. And don't we get back to the same power dynamics that have always been in operation? That is, if a big participant, if a Walmart or someone like that says all of our suppliers are going to go on blockchain, the incentive is you do it or you lose their business. So I, I guess that's powerful enough, right? There's a bit of a join-or-die mentality, yes. That's starting to pique people's interest as we talk about it with folks. Do you have to conform to blockchain in order to be 
part of the overall solution for a big retailer like Walmart. That answer is still in the open. Another aspect of the coin technology is that certain tokens are being utilized as means of raising money or capital to launch blockchain projects. Now, I'd imagine that in the absence of such coins or tokens, there's still an issue there with respect to financing a blockchain, getting it up and running. Is that an issue? And if so, where does the capital come from in order to make that happen? So in the companies we spoke to, their traditional raise capital when you have a good idea for innovation and then go after the innovation, that that's their typical model, traditional model. So what they're struggling with is an ROI. What's my risk return? Should I be getting in this early? This is still trying to shake out, right? There's still many vendors popping up in the blockchain spectrum, offering solutions and platforms. So do I go now? So just traditional sort of, do I fund this as part of my organization now or do I wait? How much do I go into it? That's what we see with the companies we're talking about. Just sort of like a, a regular capital investment type mentality looking for a payoff. The difference is, and this has been more of a difference as we get into AI and all these other fastly emerging technologies and solution sets is you've got to grab it while you can so you can stay competitive. So we're seeing a little more aggressiveness with people not really needing an ROI, but knowing sort of at the gut level, at the innovation level, at the leading edge level that they've got to get in. So they're starting a lot of pilots and a lot of experiments. 87% of the engagement in blockchain by these companies that are actively engaging in it are in the experimental phase. So low upfront capital, feel it out, see what you've got, internally educate yourself around it, and then see if you're ready to make a big move. Certainly the advantages of being on a blockchain are extremely compelling in terms of traceability of product and provenance of product and the like, security, the immutability of the ledger created by a blockchain. But there are obvious hurdles to be overcome in order to adopt a blockchain as well. What are some of the major hurdles that emerged in your research? Well, just internal to companies. When you're dealing with a new technology, new methodologies in order to deploy something like a blockchain, privacy, security, very big hurdles to understand. Everyone knows it's, it's very much in the public view. Ecom came on board, so lots of people's data got rid of databases. Everybody said it was safe. And then the news comes out that millions of accounts have been hacked. Blockchain is not immune to that. They have to prove themselves that these financial transactions, more sensitive transactions, very sensitive, have to be protected and walled off from being hacking and secure. Those are one of the barriers is getting to understand, well, how is this going to differ? How do we make sure this is really airtight so we can go forward and not be worried about it? It's different. We're talking about contracts, et cetera, that would be in the open. That's highly sensitive, a lot more than just knowing that somebody at a certain address bought something off Amazon. The ROI must be, or the, the need to prove ROI must be an issue, even though, as you say, the cost of entry on some of these pilot projects is relatively low, at, at least at this point. What is required in terms of upfront investment? Is there a substantial amount at some point down the line that has to be justified? Yes. Some of these experiments can almost be done on paper. You can prove you have a process flow that works and you have a sort of a straw man on how it's all going to work. And then you can set up a very small sort of one vendor, one transaction kind of a end-to-end -end proof of concept or POC or a minimal viable product. You'll hear some of these called. So the upfront investment can be very small in the experiment phase and, of course, will scale accordingly when you take it in production. The timing of blockchain also has to do with the cloud. If you had talked about this 15 years, it would be a lot different. But now when you say, well, we want to start something that links 
the entire end end of my supply chain. We want to do it in a short order of time. And we want to lease those capabilities and not invest in a lot of infrastructure with high capital needs. Well, the cloud really is a great facilitator of that, very synergistic with blockchain. Even that being the case, though, what's required in terms of underlying technology? What does a company have to acquire in terms of applications, software, that sort of thing in order to participate? It is wide-ranging, actually. There are some platforms that are already ready, and you can buy that platform or have it as a software, as a service, and then start to connect your end-to-end supply chain with that. You can go at this yourself. If you take the Amazon transparency project, Amazon's providing a unique label for OEMs to put on their product. So there's provenance and traceability all the way from source to consumption. That's a great traceability, trackability, blockchain sort of solution. They put up all the money. They even wrote the app and put it on a mobile phone so that their vendors and their participants could benefit from it. So the companies that are actually benefiting from it didn't pay anything. They get to play along with Amazon. And the only thing that has to be done at the OEM is they got to stick on one more label so you can calculate the labor on that. But even the OEM benefits because they get the analytics and they get the traceability themselves around their product that they've never had which helps cut back on recalls and complaints, et cetera. So in that case, the big partner, the big elephant in the room, Amazon, was able to do all the technology, take on all the costs, and, and there you have a basically an end-to-end traceability blockchain solution sort of handed to you. Are companies reporting any challenges with regard to interoperability of all the various systems that they already have in place, including legacy systems, all of which have to integrate with blockchain technology, on top of which the business process challenge is tearing down the silos within an organization so that everybody is on the same page with regard to participating in the blockchain? Yes to both, and let's take them individually. So when you walk into some companies that say, I want to get on the blockchain, they need an architecture that exposes their data to the blockchain. Some of the accelerators are if you walk into a company that already has a big data lake, something on Azure, and they've already got RESTful APIs and an open type of modern architecture, their ability to go to the blockchain is greatly enhanced, greatly accelerated. If you go into a company that's got more of a legacy setup, doesn't have data that they even internally trust to themselves to expose to the blockchain, they've got a whole different challenge trying to retrofit themselves or get themselves ready for the blockchain to go at scale. It doesn't mean they can't adopt a blockchain solution, but theirs would be more piecemeal on things that they really understood versus something that's large and organizationally transformative. If you've already got that architecture in place, that's a great accelerator. The same could be said from having an innovation type mentality or structure at your company and the business process changes the blockchain will bring. If you're already a company that has innovation as part of its mission and people to help you drive that and a flexible, iterative, agile type environment, then your ability to take on blockchain and the business process changes is greatly enhanced. If you're not, then again, you've got more challenges. The notion of smart contracts is also extremely interesting as it relates to blockchain. I wonder the extent to which companies are embracing that notion. And for that matter, what is a smart contract as it relates to the blockchain? This is one area that there's a lot of discussion around. I'm, I'm looking forward to smart contracting really growing. End-to-end traceability and trackability has been the first place that blockchain has hit in, in the folks that we're looking at. But smart contracts, to me, has the greatest potential to get to what we're calling the autonomic supply chain, the supply chain that thinks and acts for itself. So if you think about procurement and some of those upfront activities that are rules-driven, like I always go for the lowest price vendor that can also give me the lead time 
and the quality that I need. That's a rules engine type thing that a smart contract can handle dynamically as vendors post their capabilities to the blockchain and a piece of AI selects the right contract and it all happens without any human intervention in the background. That to me is a great feature. And I think manufacturers, especially that know their parts, know their vendors, other industries like insurance, et cetera, and institutions that use financial instruments will get some great traction and really be the future state of blockchain driven with them via the smart contracts. Joe, is blockchain for everybody? Ultimately, are there certain companies that would be better off not adopting it, whether because of size or the nature of the industry or the nature of their supply chains or anything like that? There is definitely, to me, a line of demarcation. Like any technology or any new shiny thing that comes down the path, you have to make that discernment for yourself. Is this for me as an organization? Is this something I need? And I think there will be cases where companies will say, no, this is not anything I need. Somebody hands it to me, like my earlier Amazon transparency example. That's one thing. But as far as you making an investment to get in a blockchain, that's another. I say that, and then I also say, is blockchain the kind of technology that eventually could be a gatekeeper for who's in and who's out. That's a strategic question to be looked at and measured every six months or a year for companies. Do I actually need to be in the blockchain? Is it something that if I'm not there, will I be excluded? Is it a blocker for growth? Will it keep me from being competitive? Those are legitimate questions and concerns strategically for companies. Your report outlines three stages of adoption, awareness, experimentation, transformation. Where are we today as we are here toward the end of 2018 and going to 2019? Which of those three stages prevails now and, and how long will it be before we'll see the ultimate realization of blockchain technology? So we are predominantly over in the awareness phase. That's what the data says. People are experimenting. Even a pilot is still an awareness. You're learning from a pilot. So you're learning from the pilots. You're learning from the experiment. You're aware of the technology. In this age of innovation, even in AI, awareness is more than just reading about it. You've got to put your hands on it, make it tangible, and try it out in your organization. We really are proponents of that for people. It helps with the comprehension of the solution. It helps you really find out if the solution is a fit. So you got to put your hands on it. As that is a measure of awareness, we are definitely in the awareness phase. Where are we on the adoption, I think it's going to be a slow and careful rollout of blockchain for companies overall. If you look at the full breadth of organizations, our Fortune 500 companies, I don't think it's going to be as a shock and awe that e-commerce was, for example, where all of a sudden everybody realized, oh, I got to get in this game or I'm dead as a retailer. I think blockchain is going to have more of a normal ramp up. Well, Blockchain can be an awfully slippery concept to get your arms around, but I feel like we've had an extremely enlightening conversation about it. You've helped me to understand a lot of the fundamentals of it and where companies are in terms of adopting it and where they might be going. So Joe Vernon of Capgemini, I want to thank you so much for helping us out on this very interesting topic. Thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Appreciate it. That was my conversation with Joe Vernon of Capgemini, separating reality from hype in the adoption of blockchains. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.